coming to you from the pit in Arroyo Grande, California. Your hosts, John Hackleman and Dr. James Casper. It's time for Pitmaster and the Doc. Hey guys, Pitmaster here, and I'm here with the Doc, Pitmaster and the Doc. We're doing our podcast like always, uh, and we got a special guest. I've, I've, I've really liked this guy for a long time, and I'll tell you why once we get started, but it's the the Black Cobra himself, Dewey Cooper. What's up, hey. buddy? Hey, man, it's great to be on your show, John. You know, we're longtime friends. I'm a longtime fan of yours and everything that you do as a martial artist, and uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank uh, you. Thanks, man. All right, first of all, let's just get – okay, let me let me tell you when, when – uh, I'm not going to say fall in love because that sounds gay, and uh, nothing wrong with gay, but I'm just – I don't want. I'm not gay. I, I don't care what people say, do we? Jesus, <laughs> except for my wife. Either. My wife gives us such a hard time. She thinks we have like a, some kind of weird relationship just because we hang out once in a while. Whatever. She's jealous. Anyway, so moving on. My guy. My guy goes to fight. Uh, my my guy fought you, um, and it was years ago. Yes. But I remember. I remember the weight difference, and then. And and I just couldn't believe you were fighting these giants. What were you like, one ninety nine or something? Yeah, yeah. But but John, there was no money in kickboxing other than the K one fights, yeah. and those were all heavyweights. And I was at that threshold of a uh, cruiserweight, and I just had to try to gain those extra few pounds to fight for. It, it was like twenty five thousand or three thousand yeah. for the same hard ass fights. Yeah, well, guys, more my weight, but. You're still clacking shins and banging knees against each other, so you might as well fight the heavy, heavier guys for for the money. And it was a great thing. The K1 was the greatest fight sport in the last fifty years, so it was a pleasure and an honor to be a K1 fighter. Yeah, yeah. You gave up. I mean, you gave you probably gave up eighty pounds in some of your fights. Yes, yeah. Remember, I was the first guy to beat Mighty Mo. And uh, he weighed two ninety three. I weighed one ninety nine. Wow! And uh, I, I I I put the speed and the low kick on him and and got a victory. I was the first one in K one to defeat Mighty Mo. After that, Cal Kali beat him. After that, wow! So you fought you fought K one kickboxing. You fought you fought boxing too. Yes, absolutely. Oh. And I got people don't realize I have four MMA fights also. Um, and I just. You know, did MMA because people were like, "Oh, you're afraid to get in the cage." I'm like, "Dude, I'll fight anybody, anytime, any style." Any but I'm style. definitely a kickboxer slash boxer, though. <laughs> you're, you're a lot like Chuck Liddell. You know that in that in that same yeah. mentality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chuck's my guy, man. You know, I love Chuck. R- remember, John, when Chuck came down and stayed in Vegas for a while and trained with Nick. I was his, his uh, training partner. We did hundreds of rounds of sparring, and I love Chuck. We're still friends to to this day. Yeah, yeah, he's a great guy. But okay, now speaking of, you just brought in a name that it makes it kind of it makes me a little nervous, and it kind of makes me go ooh. Um, and I love this guy himself, but one kick Nick. There, you, you know, there's a dark side there, right? 
<laughs> let me let me move, move away from my daughter here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, what? Yeah, yes. Nick, Nick is like an old throwback Viking from like like the the 1700s or something. He's crazy. But he's a great guy, John. Nick, yeah. I love what Nick, you know, Master Nick tra has trained me for 25 years and I owe him everything. He's a great guy. I just would not and for all you guys that don't know, One Kick Nick, um, he helped he helped train Chuck. He's he's been like a staple of of martial arts, especially kickboxing. And he was in Vegas, but now there's One Kick Nick's in other places too. He's 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 uh he's made that a, a you know affiliated that. But to be honest, first of all, he worked in a strip joint for a while, and then yes. he had a real. Dungeon. <laughs> this guy. Him and Alfie. Do you remember Alfie? Oh, I love Alfie. Of course, I remember Alfie, man. Alfie, we used to spar in, in, in women's, un, uh, women's lingerie under his Muay Thai shorts. Alfie's a complete nutcase. I he's love that guy. Like, he's a lot like Antonio Banuelos. <laughs> oh, my yes. God. That's hilarious. So, okay. So, you yes. started... When did you start in your martial arts journey? God, I started as a kid, you know, in California. I trained at the Jet Center as a little kid. And when my parents, you know, uh, my first art was Muay Thai. I started in, what, 86, you know, as a kid. Uh, back then, the Jet Center was in North Hollywood over there, Laurel Canyon, somewhere. You know, I was a kid. I wasn't driving. But, yeah, I trained there. Peter Cuttingham was there. I was his uh, roommate. Oh, yeah, okay. We were We fought together. Yes, yes. You know, I was a kid back there. I came up with all those guys, and then my dad was working at uh, Edwards Air Force Base back then, uh, and he moved to Vegas. He, he got a job at Area 51 at the test site, and that's how we ended up in Vegas from California, and I started training with Master... Well, Decozine was the first Muay Thai school out here. It was called Decozine. Unfortunately, he passed away. Then I trained with Master Toddy and uh, then Nick. I trained with Toddy for about a year and a half, two years, and then I, I've been with One King Nick ever since. Wow. You remember those Jet Center days? Yeah, that's where that's where I won my titles when I was when I was training with Benny and and Blinky yep. and, and uh, Smiley and, and Ruben. Yeah. Yes. And Sugar yes, was my know. roommate. Yes, yes, but remember, I was I was a little kid back then. I was like ten years old, eleven years old, you know. But um, yeah, I go oh, way yeah. back from that lineage. Also, by the way, I'm a third degree black belt in Chinese Kempo. I was a BKF member. I was trained under Eddie Flash Newman. Also, uh, wow. so I was doing yeah, I was doing Muay Thai and and uh, Chinese Kempo. Uh, so, you know, of course, Cecil Peoples, all those guys are my guys. Ray Wizard. The whole BKF Karate Federation, you know. I'm, I'm a disciple of those guys also. Wow. So you did. You, okay, what about Al, Alvin Prouder? Of course, I know Alvin. Alvin beat me in the finals, the Grand Master Finals of Cecil People's first tournament. It was in Carson, California in the mid-90s. I ended up squaring off with Alvin Prouder, and I actually beat him in the tournament. You know, you know the point-fighting stuff. I actually beat him, and they robbed me. Uh, I kicked him to the body, hit me with a reverse with, with a reverse punch, and they gave him the point over me. And I actually would have won the fight, but they gave it to him because he was Alvin Prouder. I was just some young kid, you know, fighting at the time. But wow. uh, I, I remember that. You know, 
I'm not sure I haven't heard from Alvin, but I talked to Eddie Flash Newman earlier this earlier last week. He's in Utah promoting boxing and kickboxing and MMA fights. So Eddie Flash Newman is doing well. And he was my instructor. Oh wow. Where was he out of? Oh, uh, he was he was out of right right there in South Central. You know, he trained with, with Stephen at the time Steven Sanders, who's now Stephen yeah. Muhammad. You know, he was the, the original guys. He trained with Alvin Prouder and all of them. I can't believe you don't remember Eddie Newman. Eddie Flash no, Newman? No, I remember him. Yeah. I do remember him. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. He, yeah, he left L.A. and ended up moving to Vegas also. And he opened up a gym in Vegas. Yeah. I was training with him. Because didn't yeah. he, he did something with Barbara. Yes, yes, Yeah, yeah, yes. I remember that. I, I actually, me and, me and Chuck went over and, and actually judged the kata division of one of their tournaments. Yes, yes, but, yes. Yeah, they wouldn't let me. I tried to join the BKF. For some reason, I didn't fit the requirements. Yeah, unfortunately, your hair wasn't uh, curly enough. We'll just say it that way. So you did, <laughs> so you did karate. You did, yeah, you, did. Just, you did karate, boxing, kickboxing, Muay Thai, yes. and MMA. Yes, yes. Did, you know, I did. I fought, shit, at least over 100 karate tournaments. I was doing karate tournaments every other week. You wow. know, I fought in... All the big tournaments, all over California, all the big tournaments, even the Stan Stan Wits or Gets tournaments here, all that point fighting stuff. Man, as a kid, that's all I did was fight. I loved fighting. You know, it kept me out of trouble and yeah. and uh, kept me um, trying to be a positive person as much as I could in those times. So, so you you know you know uh, Alvin got shot, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. All right. So so went through all that now. You did all that, so you were successful, very successful in all of that. Now, now comes Dewey Cooper, the trainer. Yes. And boom, yes, right, yes. right off the bat, right off the bat, man, because you haven't been training guys that long, and now all of a sudden you got one of the hottest prospects in the whole MMA world, the UFC, in Kevin Lee. Yes. 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 Well, you know, I've been blessed. A lot of people don't realize. During my K-1 fighting days, I was already training fighters. Uh, I trained, at the time, a female boxer who you guys will recognize the name because she was on, on the Ultimate Fighter and got to the finals. Jessica Ricosi was my boxer. I trained her from year 2000 all the way until year two, 2014 when she stopped, kick, you know, stopped boxing and went into MMA. And she was on the Ultimate Fighter series that had Ronda and Misha Tate as the coaches. And Jessica fought in the finals against uh, the 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 Venezuelan Vixen, and and we lost that fight in the finals. Uh, huh. But Jessica she was the boxer who, uh, you know, she beat uh, Raquel Pennington, the girl who's getting ready to fight Amanda yeah. Nunez. Jessica beat her on the show to get to the finals. Wow. Uh, so you know, Jessica won five world titles in boxing. So she was my first professional champion that I ever trained. Um, and from there, I trained several guys. I was War Machine's coach. When War Machine, the one who John, who's locked up right now, when he turned pro in MMA, I was his coach. What? Uh, we, we, he had his pro debut in Mexico. Um, uh, Eric, Eric Del Ferio, who's, who has the gym in San Diego, he was promoting shows. And uh, he was War Machine's promoter. And I was training War Machine for those fights. So I trained Phil Baroni also. You know, I've had some guys... Throughout the years, uh, I was Jay Haran's original coach. I trained him when Baroni brought him from New York. Yeah. 
I trained so many guys, <laughs> but I'm still fighting, so that wasn't my main thing. I was just helping my guys out, but I was officially training them. And uh, so retired. I haven't officially retired yet still, but I'm, I'm in definitely in the twilight of my career. And uh, so the next best thing from fighting is, is teaching guys. And that's why I seem to be like that hot new guy. But, man, my first world title as a coach was 2001 with Jessica Ricosi. Remember, I won world titles, five with Jessica Ricosi, one with the light heavyweight boxer, Babu Shumanoff, uh, one with Jesse Vargas. We knocked out Saddam Ali in 2016. Later that year, we lost our belt to Manny Pacquiao. I was his head coach for those fights. We won on HBO as my biggest win as a coach. We when I, we won the WBO What's Away title with Jesse Vargas. And my last champion, Amir Abdallah, kickboxing champion, WKA, cruiserweight kickboxing champion I, I trained him also and he won a world title so i'm eight world titles in as a coach and people think i'm a new guy it's just that i put all of my energy into coaching now versus still competing do you work do you work side by side with nick at the same dojo or do you have your own uh, um no i i work side by side with nick i'm there i'm at one kicks gym on tuesdays thursdays and saturdays on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, I'm at the Mayweather gym. I'm one of the Mayweather coaches. Floyd hired me before the gym even opened. So I train all my boxers at the Mayweather gym. I train all my MMA guys and kickboxers at One Kicks gym. So I'm at Mayweather's gym every day, but I go, I double up on Tuesdays, Thursdays, Saturdays, and go to Nick's gym and train all my MMA guys. Wow. And you live in Vegas. Where do you live? What side of Vegas? I'm in the Southwest. Uh, um, uh, Southern Southern Highlands area in Vegas. You know, it's beautiful. Things are nice. Unlike California, you know, if I were living in California, I'd be surviving. But I'm living in Vegas. I'm living really well. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, a, yeah, no. things are different. California money, you can live like a goddamn superstar out here. <laughs> Man, if we if we sold our houses here, imagine we could buy we could buy. We could buy a block in Vegas. Damn sure <laughs> good. Here. For sure. For sure. I tell all my friends, John, I'd rather be living in Vegas than surviving in LA. You know what I mean? So I love LA. I actually love LA more than Vegas. Yeah. But I don't want to be surviving in LA when I could be living in Las Vegas. You know what I mean? Yeah. So Yeah, I do know. What um <laughs> what what do you what do you still do to uh what, like throughout your day? So you train your guys. Do you have a, yes. day, a time set for your personal training? Um, no, I, I'm a weirdo, man. I train basically like three in the morning, you know, at my house. Uh, I have a full gym at my house, heavy bags, all the weightlifting equipment, treadmills, stair stepper, uh, uh, Smith machine, matted floors. You know, I have a whole facility in my house. I call it the Cobra Chamber, and I train here normally because I'm just too burnt out from training guys. I got 15 pro fighters, and I train them literally all day, Monday through Saturday. So I'll come home, I'll sleep from like 11 o'clock till like 2 in the morning. I wake up, and then I train. And if I'm tired, I'll go back to sleep. If not, I just chill and watch, you know, all the sports shows in the morning on ESPN, and then I start my day. I don't sleep a lot. Anyone who knows me, Nick... Stefan Bonner, I mean, Baroni, everyone who knows me will, 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 will verify that I only sleep like three three hours a day, four hours a day on, on Sundays. I don't sleep a lot. I never have, though. 
throughout my entire fight career, I've trained every day and I worked at the strip club with Nick all night, five days a week. So I've just gotten used to being up all the time and I feel good. You know, I'm just blessed that three hours of sleep is enough for me. That's pretty unusual. Yeah, that's pretty unusual, but it's good. Most people running on that kind of sleep are chronically tired. So, and even Kevin, even just in Atlantic City, we're all in the room together. They'll tell you, I didn't go to sleep until like nine in the morning every morning, all night. I just laid there, and they're all sleeping, and and I was sleeping like nine to eleven. We get up and have breakfast, and they were just Kevin's used to it, but they're like, man, coach really doesn't sleep. I'm just not tired. You know, especially being out there, we only trained a little bit the week of the fight. Normally, I'm training at least six, seven straight hours hard with the guys. So just being there with Kevin doing a 20-minute workout, dude, I had so much energy, I couldn't fucking sleep at all. (laughs) How's your shoulders with mitts? Do you do mainly mitts or pads? Well, well, I do them both. Um, My shoulders are good. The, the, The whole secret, John, and... Remember, I'm 43 years old. I've been holding pads for people since 1999. You've done it a lot longer than me, but I, I learned the secret is you still got to lift some weights. Not heavy. I do three sets, 15. I, I'll, I'll do three different exercises, three sets, supersetting them, 15 reps. And it just keeps my body strong enough to maintain the uh, the rigorous pounding it takes. And remember, I had big guys like Francis Ngannou and Big Country punching on me and no problems at all. Um, so I think that's the secret. Just, you know, hitting those shoulder shrubs, doing some military press, that type of thing. Keeping your body, your joints, and those tendons nice and strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, not going heavy, but, you know, 15 reps, and I feel great. I can hold pads all day. I'm a freak. John, I'll hold pad for 10 guys in a row, two hours straight. They want him to drink water. I tell them, come on, man. They can't break me. I'm a K1 fighter, John. We're old school, man. We can't let these young guys break us. <laughs> so who, who hit harder? Zangano? Wait, what you say? What's the Francis guy's last name? Nangano. Nangano. Okay, who hits harder? Him or uh, or Big Country? Or then comparative, if you compare the weight, Kevin Lee. Who do you think hits the hardest? Man, man, no one hits harder than Francis. I'm going to tell you. It's not a myth. This guy hits like a, like a truck. I mean, Francis, he has real power. And... And it's not even technical power. When he masters his techniques, John, forget about it, man. I've held pads for a, a, a really popular heavyweight prospect named Jarrell Miller. He's right there in the contention to fight, you know, Wilder and Joshua and all these guys. And Francis is punching harder than him. And these are heavyweight world-class boxers. He has power. You know, delivering it, you know, that's all about experience and timing and all of that. But pound for pound, punch for punch, he is harder than anyone that I've held pads for, man. He's got stupid power. And you're, stupid. And you got, you, okay, has anyone ever, like, missed and hit you instead? Everyone has. Everyone, Francis punched me in my face, like, twice, accidentally. Kevin has done it several times. I'm going to put a video up on Instagram and Twitter and all that tonight of Kevin punching me in the face just Saturday warming up for the fucking fight. <laughs> oh, my. He you have a video of that? I got to see yeah, that. His, his manager was 
his agent, I'm sorry, his agent was 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 videoing us warm up, and he punched the shit out of me. But um, Kevin punches me all the time when we when we uh warm up for fights. So I laugh and say, yeah, now I know he's ready. So you know, it's a good thing. But you'll see, he punched me hard. But uh, my defense is so good, I kind of roll with it. So it was no problem. But yeah, I've been hit by everyone. All my fighters has punched me or kicked me at least once for sure. It's not just me. Thank God. That's one, yeah. of, that's one of the dangers. Yeah, John, you know, they're all accurate and good when they're fresh. You start running those drills off and those techniques, they get tired, man. The accuracy starts to go more and more and more. And that's we got to be, you know, aware of, of what's coming at us because they're going to end up punching us. I'm not sure if they miss the mid because they're tired or they punch us because they want to break. I still don't know which one it is. <laughs> <laughs> that fucking, that Chuck. He lied. He probably did that, fucker. Yeah, and I'm I was telling you, I know. And shit. Oh my god, that's terrible. So oh, let's let's god. talk about this last fight. I'm uh, Kevin Lee. Uh, Kevin Lee is um, he's a lot like you, man. He's a lot like you. But anyway, um, he he mauled uh, um, what's his name? What's Barbosa. Good? Barbosa. It's yeah. in Barbosa. He mauled him worse than uh, worse than Khabib did. I mean, yeah. he mauled because he mauled him standing as well. That was, I mean, except for that one little kick thing, which everybody less that's like the the sound bite on everything now. Um, and, and, and we love that. Know why? Because we'd be very sad if that would have been a knockout and we lost, but we still won. Exactly. We finished that same round. That shows so, even more. We love it. We love it. Kevin loves it. He's laughing about it. He thinks it's so cool. Because at the end of the day, <laughs> after that kick, he dug deep and found a way to win by stopping the guy. So people can laugh at all, all the stuff they want. That shows intestinal fortitude. Ah. That shows that real warrior. That shows something we can't train. Yeah. It shows a guy who has the uh, determination desire and desire to win. And that's what I love. That was my favorite part of the fight Saturday night was that kick. Because, John, you've been in this game for so long. There's a lot of front-runner fighters, guys who look spectacular when they're kicking ass and taking names. But the moment that that ball turns to the other side and they're getting hurt or getting damaged, do they have that same enthusiasm about trying to win? I got it. That's the championship you, question. Those are the, the championship crowd, questions. That brought yes. the crowd back into the fight because uh, everyone saw that. It was like, oh, this is still a fight. Um so, how did you guys prepare for Barboza? What what'd you do differently for him? Because it seemed like he had him pretty controlled through, except that one time, through pretty yeah. much the whole well, fight. Well, you know, we did a few things differently. Uh, first of all, Robert Fallis passed away. Um, you know, Robert and I were partners. He was the ground guy. I was the striking guy. So, Robert and I would would you know devise a plan, and we work in unison to make sure Kevin was ready. Uh, with Robert being away, and you know, I miss him dearly. Talk to him every day. Uh, he was my good friend. It was a little different, uh, but you know, Kevin and I, we met. We studied the videos of the guy that, of, of of Barboza, just like all three of us did. And my only suggestion was we spar with a lot of real Muay Thai kickboxers. We'll spar some MMA guys, but we need real kickboxers, guys that kick really hard. So me being at One Kick's gym, I know several of them. 
Uh, so we brought in a guy, Joshua Shepard. We call him TNT. Really strong, explosive guy. He was the perfect look for Barboza. And we also brought in ex-UFC fighter Anthony Njokawani. You know, he's a Muay Thai champion. He fought in the UFC. Uh, he fought for several other MMA companies. Uh, and he's a, he fought Barboza, actually, and had to fight one and got hit with the same spin kick that Kevin got caught with, with one second on the clock. And that turned the fight over to Barboza in their fight. So the, the, the only thing we really did differently, we added real Muay Thai fighters in there to really blast those kicks and kick at those arms and legs very hard to get Kevin prepared for real power. Even Chaz Mokey came down and threw kicks at Kevin for a few workouts. So all the Muay Thai guys in Vegas really came around and, and, and helped out to get that win. I knew in my mind we needed hard kickers. No disrespect to the MMA guys, but they do not turn those shins over like Muay Thai champions do. And uh, uh, the way guys were blasting Kevin in the arms and training was perfect for Barboza. If you notice this fight with Kevin versus other fights, he normally blocks kicks with his arms out a little bit, and that could be dangerous. You could injure your arm. This time his arms were very tight against his body like a shield, and that's why he was able to nullify, nullify Barbosa's kicks. So that's all we did differently. Brought in some Muay Thai champions to really throw hard kicks at him, chop at his legs, and uh, get him prepared for what Barbosa does, and it ended up being the correct call. Yeah, it was definitely. What, who's uh, who's your ground guy now? Did you did you? Uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's working with some guys from at uh, Couture's gym. He has a guy Montel, uh, young guy. He actually fought the same night Kevin fought. That's why he wasn't in the corner. And we had Eric, uh, you know, the manager at at Couture's gym. The really, he's a wrestler slash ground yeah. guy. Knows his stuff, so uh, he also helped out. Huh. Uh, so, cool. so you know, Couture's gym, you know, they got a bunch of great wrestlers and a great jiu-jitsu program over there, as well as a great MMA program. So that stayed the same. He always worked over there for his ground. It was just bringing in some different different elements on the on the striking, uh, sparring to get Kevin ready. Huh. What do you th- What do you think about the the whole? Uh, there's so many guys now that just aren't blocking leg kicks. And it's it's like tra- changing the direction of so many fights. And it's like, I know I, you, know, I know you can't ever block every kick, obviously, just like you can't block every punch. But it seems like some guys just like, it's like they almost refuse to, to check a leg kick. And it's like, some of these guys have like Muay Thai trainers that are their main trainers, you know, like... Uh, a couple of them, I don't want to name them, but um, there's a couple of guys that their main trainers are Muay Thai. Some of their main trainers are Thai guys, and it's like when they fight, they're always getting the shit kicked out of their legs. It's like they refuse. It's like somebody refusing to parry a, bl- a jab. It's just they refuse to, and it's like, do they like? Do they know how it feels? Like, you know how it feels. The ne- forget the next day, the day after that. I mean, it hurts. <laughs> The second fucking day of after a kick where you get the shit kicked out of your legs, I mean, it hurts like like nothing. And it's like, why would they put themselves through that instead of just a simple check? And then uh, number two, do you think leg checks are different in MMA than they are for Muay Thai? So first of all, why do you think 
there's a couple of guys that refuse, even though they're known for not checking, so people are just going in there fucking hammering their legs, and it always changes the outcome of the fight. What what do you yeah, what would you crazy. do with that guy? What would you do with him? It's crazy to to me. I mean, uh, the most basic thing in the world is to block a low kick, and and it amazes me that guys don't do it. But that's for two reasons, John. The main reason is because MMA guys don't really do shin development, and this is the truth. No, they all got soft shins. They never kick the bottom of the bag. They never do drills where they're checking kicks with the really thin shin pads on to condition their shins. They don't roll their shins after they train. They don't do anything to really help strengthen their shins. Therefore, you know, know, at the Jet Center when I was fighting and you were 10 years old, you know Benny wouldn't let us wear shin pads ever. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah, for sure. For yeah. sure. But I mean, I think you should wear the little thin ones when you're training. Would have been nice. Just Would have been the, nice. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know. But I'm saying now, because you guys are on, on a fucking, you know, old school, railroad working tough guys. We're talking about these punk ass, metrosexual ass dudes now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, Alrighty. You know, so, so we, we had to amend that a little bit. But, John, we still have to develop our shins. If you don't develop those shins, you're going to be too afraid to check. Um, and, 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 and secondly, what drives me crazy more than guys not checking kicks, John, MMA, what's the most deadly kick right now? That's, it's like the trend right now going on. The calf kick. That's the most punk-ass kick in the world, John. A calf kick. Everyone in MMA is afraid of a goddamn calf kick. All you have to do is just turn your shin over. One time, they won't even throw at your calves anymore. Never. But they won't. That's the, yeah. My leg kick, my leg check isn't even picking up your leg. It's just turning, it's just turning it from it. 12 o'clock to that's 10 right. o'clock. Yes, that's right. That's all you got to do. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and we have proof because Kevin checked one of Barbosa's kicks, shin to shin. He didn't throw any more leg kicks. He started blasting to the body. I tell my fighters, check the first kick, shin on shin, even if it hurts you, they won't throw anymore because none of these MMA guys got conditioned shins, man. None of them do any shin work. They'll they'll kick each other. They'll kick the hat, you know, kick the pads a little bit, but they don't do anything to really develop their shins. And that's the secret I shouldn't even be exploiting right now. But I tell all my guys, we gotta get those shins nice and hard, you know. And we roll the shins. We kick. We kick the bottom of the bag. We kick each other. We do leg checking drills, so you get used to that clacking of the shin. But that's the. the you, you should see the bags John's got here. They're like uh, they're from Century, but they're filled with cement. They're <laughs> yeah. kicking the bottom of the bag. You might as well kick a pole. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but remember, you can start just touching it easily the first week. The next week, a little more heat on it, a little more sauce on it. I guarantee after one month, you'll be able to kick that at least 75% and not hurt your shin. That's the secret. You may tap it at the beginning, but weeks and weeks, man, I'm telling you, your shins will get conditioned. And that's the reason, John, it's so funny that guys not taking leg kicks is my pet peeve. It drives me fucking crazy. And the calf kick that everyone's so afraid of now really drives me crazy. I'm, I, you could not stop me in a in a fight if you kicked me in my calf. I don't give a fuck if you broke whatever bones down there. I'm still fighting. There's no way I'm going down from a calf kick. No way. What do you think about? And I'm I'm mixed about the inside leg kick because that knee they that, turn the knee over like and it's like, like, like too like like Weedman yeah and then 
since so much of my training isn't your 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 mainly sport, most of mine is a street fighting gym. Yes. I mean, if somebody breaks your calf, you know, your shin in 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 the cage, they break up the fight. You got to get surgery. It's a pain in the ass. But if you break your shin trying to inside leg kick somebody in the street, you're dead. Yes. They're gonna fucking soccer kick you till you're dead. So <laughs> yes, well, well, yeah. I mean, I I use it because I use all low kicks, you know. But if a guy's checking really well, then you know you have to really set it up off the punches. Yeah. Throw a good long one too and rip it in there fast. You can't be marching with it or posting it and swinging it with too much emphasis. You know, you know how the Muay Thai, the, the pure Thai fighters show it and swing it long and wide. I say, pop, pop, boom, turn that hip quick, pivot that foot quick, and get a quick, sharp kick in versus full power, committed, follow through Muay Thai swinging kick, you know. Yeah. Uh, but, but we do use it, but yeah, I like the outside a lot more anyway. Because yeah. when you throw that inside kick, Remember, if you're a right-hander on right-hander, their right hand's right there. If you don't move their foot, your head's right in line for that straight right. So if you're going to use that kick, I, I agree with you. It has to be calculated. And it has to be thrown correctly. Yeah. Huh. Where do you see yourself uh, since you've gone? I mean, you, you're like the consummate everything, done everything martial artist now. Now you've, you've made it to the you made it to the top of the UFC. I mean... He's not, he's not, uh, he's not, he's, he's as, he's, he's as top as you can get. Um, so where do you see yourself and what's your, what, what do you want your legacy to be in five years? Do you want to be remembered more as the fighter or more as the trainer? Um, I'm looking at, I'm looking at you and your guy James back right now. And I see the pit back there with, with, with your famous, you know, skeleton guy with the with the Chuck Liddell after you want to fight pose. I I, I want to do the same thing with my system. It's called Black Cobra Striking Systems (BKSS). I don't really care about me, the person. I just yeah. want my system to be respected. And people say, "Hey, I like your system of fighting. It's a defensive style, sharp boxing, and effective kicking." Um, so in five years from now, I would like for people to respect my my philosophies of fighting my system of fighting more so than me um I, I would like to be known as a hell of a fighter but that's all generational you know what i mean uh like the kids who never see me fight would just think of some pierced lip dude with dreadlocks holding pads for people but the people that remember the k1 days will will remember me and that's all i care about we have to stay in the now. So since I'm doing more of the training now, I would definitely like to be respected as a good coach. Um, I would like for all my fighters to achieve their highest heights, hopefully all become world champions. And and at their speech of, of their award speech, they'll say, hey, I want to thank Dewey Blackover Cooper for not just teaching me, you know, fighting skills, but teaching me how to be a productive person and try to try to be humble and, and, and do the right thing and live through mercy if possible. I don't want to fuck no one up, but if they disrespect me, I may have to. But, you know, we always try to live through the creative mercy and, and show empathy and compassion to people. So I would like my philosophies and my writings, you know, I write a lot of poetry. I write a lot of positive affirmations. I would like for that to be remembered because these are the philosophies that last longer than us. Bruce Lee's been gone a long time, but everyone recites his philosophies all the time. 
And I like to have that type of legacy. You know what I mean? Uh, that, that would be really cool to me. The people who knows fighting will remember that I was a fighter and, and the fly by night fan, I don't care if they remember or not anyway. So the BKSS system is what I like to be known or notarized in the next five years. And that's not just in the mixed martial arts world. That's in the kickboxing world and in the boxing world also. Hmm. Wow. So what do you, what do you, what do you, to, to make that happen, what steps are you going to take? Are you going to open your own gym oh. soon? Well, well, oh, <laughs> no, I, I definitely don't want my own gym. I just want to keep training the fighters and keep making them reach the top. You know, yeah. 2016, 2016 was my greatest year as a coach because, like like I said, I won a world title on HBO. You were everywhere. And I won a world title on kickbox. You were everywhere, bro. Yeah, yeah. So, so I want to keep creating fighters. I got a bunch of young undefeated fighters coming up. In about the next few years, they'll be reigning supreme on top of the world. I just want how Freddie Roach has has he's known to to be a champion coach. You know, I would like for those type of accolades, like Freddie Roach has, like Emmanuel Stewart has, but be also in the mixed martial arts world with that reputation too. So I kind of one up those guys because they're just boxing coaches. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you know. Uh, we got Keith Lee, Kevin Lee's little brother, coming up in the 135-pound division. Um, you know, we got some special things going. I got a 185-pound MMA fighter from Uzbekistan named Mahmoud Miradov. He is a killer. He is a complete killer. And he's going to be hitting the UFC landscape real soon. He's already won several world titles in Russia. And he's going to be hitting that UFC landscape real soon. And I'm telling you right now, he looks like a fucking model. He speaks English and he can fucking fight like he's a killer. So he's going to turn a lot of heads in the UFC also. So, you know, hopefully Kevin, Kevin Lee, uh, the guys I have now will keep evolving, keep getting better, keep getting more experience um, and, and, and reach the highest heights of the UFC by winning the championship and maintain it for a long time. And we just keep doing it, man. I'm really a, a fighter's trainer. I sweat with them every day. I run with them. I'm, I'm out there with these guys. I love them to death, and I give them the best I could give them. And so that's where I want to be five years from now, still in the martial arts world, mixed martial arts, boxing, kickboxing, and still creating champions, man. That would be awesome. Wow. You're living the dream, man. Sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and, and remember, it's a boring lifestyle, John. You know, we ain't out partying and hanging out and all of that. But these are the rewards, you know. I got to see your fighter to see your fighter do what he did yesterday, and that's got to be you got to be so proud. Yes, that, that was yes, very cool. Yes. And to see yes. the uh, poor doctors had to come in, my colleagues had to come in and stop it. Yes, so yes, yes, and see, we love that more because that shows dominance. And John, to tell you when. Right now, we're all compassionate human beings. We're regular. But when you're in that, when you hit that alter ego, when I'm Black Cobra, when he's the Motown Phenom, you know, we don't, we don't care about anything but dominance and conquering our opponent. And uh, there's nothing better than, well, there's two things better than knocking someone out. That's the guy taking a knee and submitting, quitting. Like, I can't take anymore and quit. Or the doctor having to jump in and save him. You know, that show was like, like, yo, you know, it was you, near death. 
Well, he was looking beat up in round one. I mean, he was looking hurt and damaged. So for the doctors to finally do something out of mercy in round five, I think it was round five, wasn't it? It was round five. And see, if I can be blatantly honest, as a fighter, by the way, I'm ecstatic it happened. But if I were Barbosa, I would be so mad, like, dude, I could have went another minute and a half, you know? God damn it, you stopped me now? You should have stopped it two rounds ago. Yeah, you know you're going to stop the beating, stop it in round one. <laughs> yeah. I, I went through all this beating, and now you stop it? What the fuck? Let me finish the fight. Was he, ar- <laughs> was he arguing about it? Definitely not, because he knew that he wasn't going to finish the fight anyway. But I'm just saying, as a fighter, if I were Barbosa, I would have been like, just let me take this beating for another minute and a half, because I'm, you let me get beat up for 23 minutes now. He didn't uh, have a lot. Get, he didn't have quit in him. That guy, uh, he took he had it. no quit. Yeah, definitely. So give me the liberation of finishing the fight, yeah. at least. You know what I mean? Poor guy. <laughs> but, but it was the right decision. His eye was completely closed. He was cut. He was he was beaten very bad. And, and Kevin wasn't getting tired. So it was only a matter of time. There's no way he was going to get through that fifth round. There's yeah. no way. Wow. Well, it was quite a performance. Can't wait to see uh, see what he's got next. Yeah, yeah. And, and Kevin's very excited because... You know, not to talk about another podcast in your podcast, but he loves the Joe Rogan podcast. And today he was actually featured on the Joe Rogan podcast. So he's in L.A. and he is freaking he was so excited about being on that podcast. Oh, he guy. listens to that thing religiously. And uh, so it was, it was cool that he's seeing the fruits of his labor also, oh, not man. just the money from the UFC, but seeing things that he dreamt about happening happen. So that's really an awesome experience for him, man. He's only 25 years old, came from the came from the hood in Detroit, and he's really making his life totally different and better now. Yeah, I was on that podcast and uh, it bumps it bumps everything up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you're going to be on it, too. You know, I, I I know Joe Rogan from the K1 days. He's an awesome guy. You know, cool. You know, I, I'm not really, uh, you know, uh, starstruck on any of that type of stuff. You know, I love the guys like you, John. I love when Nick and Stephen Bunner were doing their podcast. Yeah. I don't listen. I don't listen to a lot of podcasts, but yeah. you know, the real homeboys and, and the guys that that sweat martial arts out of their pores like you you know it's honor to even be on here talking with you this is more important than the rogan show to me not dissing rogan i love him but being with a real grassroots martial artist who's done it who's created champions who's created a legacy who i can get some advice from we talk on, <laughs> on facebook uh this is this is rewarding for me you know what i mean i don't care about the popularity and all this shit Tell people that all the time, I care about the team that I have in front of me, them being successful and them winning and them feeling like I helped them improve themselves. Those are things that I care about more than any of this glamour and glitch shit because I've already been there and done that, man. You know, so. Yeah. Is it, awesome. That is true. I mean, because you don't look like that guy. You look like, uh, you look more like the guy that's, more out there, but when you think about it, you're you're more the guy that's just uh, pushing your guys. 
Yeah. And remember, man, I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't do any of that, dude. These guys are taking shots, celebrating their win. I'm like, dude, give me a pineapple juice or a cranberry. But, yeah. you know. Remember those days with me out there? Of course. Of course. John, I learned, I learned from all you guys. Yeah. Man, you know, we are, are, are the leaders, you know. And these guys are young, having their fun. But it's in their mind, they're cataloging this. And they're remembering, like, man. Coach is really mentally strong. He's fucking awesome. Nothing breaks him mentally. And, and peer pressure and all that shit is part of that. We can't lead if we got all these weird vices and shit, too. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so you know, it's awesome, man. It's awesome. Who do you, who do you live with? Uh, I live, it's just me. Um, my daughter's here and my nephew, David. Um, so, yeah, I got my own house. I'm not married. My girlfriend's here all the time, but she has her own house also. So it's just me, uh, my nephew David, the big guy I'm always with. That's my nephew. And then my daughter, Shaolin. Huh. How old is she? 12. 12. And she got a red belt Sunday. I missed her getting a red belt in Shaolin Kung Fu because I was flying back from the fucking fight with Kevin. So I missed my daughter get, getting awarded her red belt. Where was it? Um, I, Where she trained? She got she trains at a school called Shaolin Kung Fu Chan. And it's a real Shaolin monk from China. 32nd generation Shaolin monk trains her name, Xi Jing Wei. So um, I named her Shaolin as a, a real monk from China here. So I had to have her train her. You know, have her, have him train her. So he you know, must, she, man, she's good. must good. go nuts when you go in and watch her train, all the, all the people there. Yeah, yeah. And remember, I was at the real Shaolin Temple in Songshan, China. Uh, the abbot of the temple took me into his private quarters. I was a guest there and uh, made me green tea. We talked about Buddhism. We talked about the Shaolin Way. And he asked me where I lived. And I said, I live in Las Vegas in the U.S. And he's like, oh, I have disciple there. And that's how I found out. And I made my daughter join. Why well, didn't make her? I had her join when I got back from China, she's been training there for eight years now. Wow. Uh, who's that? What's that? You you mentioned him. He was sparring with, uh, you said he was sparring with Kevin. He's like an African name. He has Anthony and Joe Money. Yeah, what happened Anthony to those two guys? They're, they're Knicks guys, right? Yes. Well, Anthony's still fighting, but he's just fighting Muay Thai. Chidi's fighting in Bellator. He'll be fighting um, uh, late May. Late May or early June in Bellator. Right, Chidi's doing well. He's doing very well. He moved up from 170 to 185. He couldn't make the weight anymore. But yeah, he's he's a top ten guy in Bellator right now. His yeah. younger brother, Ian Jokawani. And then the so, Anthony yeah. one just does kickboxing. Yeah, yeah. He stopped doing MMA for now. Uh, he he won a Muay Thai championship his last fight. Uh, Anthony did. So he's a Thai champion now and still training and doing his doing his thing. You got a lot of you got a lot of. Uh... You got a lot of shit going on, man, for someone so just, uh, do you meditate? Of course, you know I do. I'm a Zen Buddhist. I meditate every day. And Sundays I meditate for an hour, you know, drink green tea and just, you know, unwind. But yeah, I definitely you, meditate every day. You remember day. last year, somebody, I could tell you were as mellow as you are. Do you remember somebody was irritating you? I had to step in last year. Do you remember sure, that? I, oh yeah, I remember. God. That was the closest I've come to hitting someone for in a long time, man. Because he was like, I <laughs> yeah, could tell he was irritating you. And I was like, how did, you can't, if somebody's irritating Dewey, he needs to stop. He must be doing something. 
and he was being a douchebag to you. And yeah, you yeah, let him live. Right? Yeah, yeah. You know, I try, I, you know, I'm a Buddhist. Remember, the, the number one code of Buddhism is mercy. You have to really exercise that. And remember, us being us being brought up in America, that's really hard to do. Mercy means like really trying your best not to hurt someone. Yeah. So if a guy calls you something that you don't like, the old me would have fucked him up on, on site. You call oh, me, man. I'm fucking you up. I can but see now that. I'm a, yeah, yeah. Did you see how fast I, I flew to, in there? I had to fly in the middle of you guys. Yeah, but we lived through mercy and and that's the only battle I still have sometimes because remember, man, I'm an urban dude too. I ain't some punk. I'm down the street fight. You know, so when guys trying to test your man card too much, you gotta be like, listen, man, what? You know what I mean? We try not to, but sometimes people take that like you're intimidated to something. It's like John. I'm not intimidated. Men don't want to hurt you. You know what I mean? I'm trying to be a better person. You know, I'm trying to live a, a good life and and clear up my karmic debt and all of this shit I did for my teens and 20s. You know what I mean? That's what I'm working on. I'm so far behind. My karmic <laughs> debt is so far be- behind. I'm having to do... I do the dishes at home now. I do my fucking dishes. Even, on my, even when it's my wife's... I'm not going to say it's your job. I, yeah. I do the dishes every day. I'm not even going to say it because she might be in there. But, yeah, I could see that. Uh, I, I saw that, and I was like, oh, shit. And I like, yeah. I was like a vampire. I was just like, boom, right there. And I appreciate that because, remember, John, you know, we can all have political views and religious views. Some people could be for Trump. I could be not for Trump. But those are just opinions. We still can be friends and love each other and respect each other. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't get that. Just because someone does. It's like I'm a big Pittsburgh Steeler fan when it comes to football. I'm a Steeler fanatic since birth. You know, way back in 1979, when I was a little kid, when the Rams played the Pittsburgh Steelers in the Super Bowl, my whole family had on Rams jerseys. I had on a Pittsburgh Steelers jersey. I've been a Steelers fan my entire life. But I'm not going to hate you because you're a Patriots fan or a Cowboy fan. You know what I mean? I look at life like that. You know, we could be for against Trump. We could be against Black Lives Matter or for Black Lives Matter. But at the end of the day, those are just groups. And because we support a certain group doesn't mean we 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 hate us. We you know, we have hatred for other humanity. It doesn't I mean tell people, they're a bad person. I think that's what's different now in this country yeah. is people use that to look at another group and say they're bad people, whether because yeah. they, yeah. they don't agree with you. I don't yeah, yeah. think it. I don't think it was always that way, and, and I, that's yeah, what yeah, I don't like them, to see. Them. Now, now I can see if if there's hatred for a certain people and you express yeah I support that. That's different because at the end of the day we're all human and we deserve human. Um, uh, acceptance and compassion. And I just understand people really freak out about that and then they get violent and all of that. And it's like, dude, John, we are like the the pastors of violence. That's all we do is violence every day. We teach people to fuck people up. We teach people to defend themselves. That's all we do is fight and train. And I know you go out and shoot and do your knife training and all your street tactical stuff. I do the same thing. You know, that's all we do is fight war. And and, and for people to get on Facebook and challenge us is crazy to me, man. I'm like, dude, I'll go over there and fuck you up, man. But, you know, we, we try our best not to. 
Could you imagine no, if you know Tim Kennedy? Yes, of course. Yeah. Could, could you imagine if he was on the bus that uh, that McGregor was? Can you imagine what would happen? That would be like fucking James Bo- a James Bourne uh, Jason Bourne movie. He would kill. He would have killed every one of those Irish guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah I thought about that too. Dude, I wish I was on that bus. I swear to God, I would have got out and started fighting. There's no way I wouldn't have. There's yeah. no way. These guys really want to fight. I would have told all the guys, let's get off and fight them, man. What are we doing? We're going to let someone yell and scream shit all because your Russian friend got confronted by a person. I would be on, on Connor's side if Khabib's crew beat up Artem. Yeah. I, I would be like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Go go take his back. You have to. That's loyalty amongst friends. But if a guy confronts me and doesn't punch me or nothing like that, I wouldn't expect my friends to come help. You know, people confront each other every day. You know, Artin's Russian. Khabib's from Dagestan speaks Russian. He felt bad or, or felt weird because Artin was saying bad things about him. So Khabib approached him like, hey, we're Russian, brother. Why are you dissing me? And whatever happened, happened. There's nothing to cause a riot about. A man seen another man, and he wanted to have words with him. That's all it was. It was words. You know, so for Connor to overreact like that, it was crazy to me. You know, That's no one beat up Artem. No one jumped Artem. Had they That's jumped him, I would say, well, I'm on Connor's side. I give him credit. He's awesome because he has way too much to lose to do that dumb shit. But he put his friend value over what he could lose so i would respect that but to jump on a plane and go try to hurt someone because your friend got confronted is stupid to me man that's it's crazy well i think i think the fact that he put other people on that bus at risk for serious injury was even worse yeah for sure for sure definitely very careless but you know there's no way i could be on a bus someone throws something on a bus and i get cut and me not do anything about it. The Buddhism goes out the window. Fuck that. I, I can't be disrespected like that. You know? And, and then I would feel bad about it later, but I would have had to react because I wouldn't have been able to look myself in the mirror. I don't care, man. Uh, beat me down, jump me, 10 guys, whatever. I would have knocked out several of those guys before I got subdued or whatever, for sure. Um, so I'm just happy it wasn't the April 21st show and it didn't happen on the bus that we were on oh my God. On, on Saturday night because we would have got out fighting for sure. I can't imagine you <laughs> and Kevin Lee on that bus. Holy shit. About it. We would have got out fighting for sure. Oh, my for God. Sure. You, There's no way. You, Kevin Lee, and uh, Tim Kennedy on that bus. <laughs> Believe it, those guys. Oh, man. They'd be dead. They'd be, they would be dead Irishmen right now. Oh, my God. We got to get going. You know, hey. I got love, I got love for the Irish Irish guys, man. I got so many friends that are Irish. Remember, my grandfather was half Irish. Dewey Cooper was a popular name in Ireland and Scotland in the eighteen hundreds. I'm I'm cursed with the goddamn with an Irish descendant name. So you know what I mean. Uh, I got love. For, you don't look for, for like a Dewey Cooper. <laughs> the only thing I hated about myself was my name. My whole life, I mean. <laughs> I feel like I'm blessed in every other department, but my name, that's probably why I'm a fucking fighter. <laughs> Dewey. I've I fought so many times as a kid over my fucking name. You wouldn't believe it. So deep down inside, I really hate my name, but my dad told me before he passed away, 
If you ever change your name, if you ever change your name, I'll fucking disown you. He told me that on my 18th birthday because I was actually going to change my name. He said, if you change your name, I'll fucking disown you. I named you after my father and it's disrespect to our family and our name if you change your name. I wanted to, but I didn't. <laughs> okay, what would you change it to? Something more ancestral, like, you know, I had a few names, but, you know, I... I I like names like back then I wanted a name like Malachite or Messiah or, you know, something like this. You know, I wanted like an African sounding name, something strong, you know, uh, Elijah one, um, you know, names like that. But, oh, well, I got I'm stuck with Dewey Cooper. So I learned how to accept it and live with it. <laughs> I don't think I don't think too many people give you a hard time about that anymore, do they now? Oh, not anymore. <clears throat> Thank goodness. <laughs> well, we gotta rush out, man. Man, we gotta have this guy again. That was awesome. That was fantastic, man. Yeah, we gotta go do class right now, actually. But, um, man, I want to uh, appreciate this. This was this is unbelievable. This is great. This is awesome talking to you. Appreciate yeah. you being on the show. We'd Thank you, John. Deaf brother, thank you for having me. Like I said, it's an honor, man. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We're martial arts brothers, man. We're united forever. You ever need something, I'm here anytime, brother. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna call you again. Believe me, this was unbelievable. If we didn't have to go, we are, our class starts at six fifteen. Actually, yes, that's thank how much we love doing this. Thank you, brother. Right on. Thanks, right Dewey. Thank you. Nice, nice meeting you. Nice to meet Later. you. Thank you, man.